0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 170th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle?
1: I'm doing great, Cam. It's uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Get a little time off from work. It's it's a good time. Good time of the year. Yeah. Um, Which is better
0: thanksgiving or christmas food um, wise sorry i'm talking food wise food so, yeah okay
1: uh honestly i'm not like a huge turkey fan but i feel like i just like it because it's like a tradition i guess i just eat it mm-hmm. because it's it's what you do on thanksgiving but i'm more of a ham person probably myself. sure sure right you?
0: um not a huge turkey fan either but if you give me the turkey and i can just like pile mashed potatoes and corn and like stuffing and gravy all on top of it and just eat it all together totally
1: fine there you go yeah you're one of those mixers
0: yeah I didn't I didn't used to be I was very as like a child I was very like keep everything separate okay. if it touches that's bad but you I'm, know, I'm, I'm right there with you kids are pretty dumb so <laughs> I grew out of that and <laughs> I also didn't do gravy back then really that kind of freaked me out or something so yeah as an adult um
1: yeah come to your senses
0: mix it all together throw gravy on it we're all good
2: producer cameron i'm more of an appetizer kind of guy yeah Love, i mean those that chicken cheese dip the cheese ball with pistachio coating on it that's very specific very specific things that's basically those say. are my two favorite Thanksgiving okay. things for sure all right we <laughs> all we also get those things at christmas so it's really hard to sure. decide yeah. between the two. Sim- similar food for, for sure
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um i don't really care much for like traditional uh desserts around the holidays
1: uh, like a pumpkin pie
0: pumpkin pie pecan pie i'm not really a pie guy in general but i'm a chocolate fan as you both know so i can do a chocolate pie but it also kind of feels like a waste just give me like brownies (laughs) and cookies and i'm good I hope everybody out there is uh, enjoying maybe a little bit of time off for Thanksgiving. Hopefully, we're giving you something to listen to maybe while you're driving to your in-laws house or if you just got the day off from work and you're just chilling, watching football. Um, Hopefully, we can keep you company. We um, have some good news in the world of Mizzou football mostly, but Mizzou basketball did get a win. We've got some recruiting to talk about some potential wins there. Um, before we jump into all of that, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube or leave us a review on the podcast platform that you listen on. Um, and if you want to support the podcast directly, you can do that on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Pod. Kyle, let's start with recruiting. Mizzou got their first commitment of the 2023 class, uh, so twitter was all a buzz over that as it should be uh so that's pretty exciting um brett norfleet a tight end um pretty highly rated and some I mean, i'm stealing your thunder a little bit here but uh, potentially a little bit underrated so why don't you tell us a little bit about him
1: uh yeah brett norfleet um first committed the 2023 class which i, I think the i've said before that i think the 2023 class has a chance to be really special for Mizzou and obviously getting off to a great start here. Um, it's, it seems like a, it's a sign of the times that, you know, we got a, a four-star tight end from Missouri. I mean, that's a big deal, um, in-state four-star. Uh, that didn't always come easily um, in previous staff. So um, that is a testament to the great recruiting that Coach Drinkwitz has been doing recently. But uh, Brett is 6'7 uh, from Francis Howell in St. Charles, Missouri. He's going to be playing baseball as well. Um, yeah, I think the baseball team is pretty excited. Yeah, seriously, the the coach drink is filling out the baseball team with Sam Horn and uh, yeah. Brett Nortfleet. But, anyways, um, yeah, I was watching his film. He's, he's an exciting a- athlete. I mean, he plays defensive line too. Um, he's explosive. He got, has great hands in the receiving game. It also is a great blocker. So I don't even know um, how Mizzou is going to utilize him, but he definitely looks like he can be very pretty versatile and can be used in a lot of different ways. And Uh, We saw in this game against Florida that we're going to talk about, but Nico Hay was used pretty heavily and was a big part in in that victory. So the coach drink wants to use the tight ends. So I'm I'm excited about Brett Norfleet.
0: Yeah. There's been some fans kind of, I've seen some chirping on Twitter about the fact that we haven't utilized tight ends uh, as much as some people would like. Um, And I can understand that a little bit, but you can say the same thing about wide receivers uh, to some extent this season. Um, I think it's, I like how Coach Coach Drinkwitz integrates the tight ends around the goal line. Obviously, we saw that uh, in the Florida game as well. So, yeah, this is super exciting. Uh, 6'7", 220, according to 24-7 Sports. Um, Then around 200th best player in the entire class. So that's pretty solid. Um, He is the 11th best tight end, according to 24-7 Sports, for the class of 2023. Uh, interestingly, there is a tight end um, from DeSmet, Mark, uh, Mac Markway, who's committed to Florida. Uh, maybe keep an eye out there. I, I don't think uh, Mizzou would be opposed to bringing into high-caliber tight ends like that. Uh, you really can't have enough tight ends on your roster sometimes. But, uh, yeah, Anytime, any Florida commitments that have Missouri ties, might as well keep an eye on them.
1: Yeah, especially 2023. So you, I mean, there's plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, to to get some work done in, in that recruitment and also uh Florida they might ha- they're gonna have a different coach yeah by the time he's there so yeah um yeah I, I agree
0: uh super excited for Brett norfleet uh first commitment let's keep it rolling um I want to mention there's been some buzz uh with two other um, recruits uh we've talked about him before DJ Weslack from Booneville um, he's a defensive end he is one of the top players in the state of Missouri, uh, still for 2022, um, he's a four-star about 180 nationally, um, 6'4", 235. um, kind of want to refresh everybody because he was not, uh, it didn't seem like Mizzou was going to be the destination for him for quite a while because he had a Clemson offer and crystal ball picks for Clemson. And that looked like a foregone conclusion at one point. They seemed to cool on him, and then also he had some legal issues um, that arose that kind of shut down his recruitment for a little bit and his uh, football playing um, his senior year, which is unfortunate. But he was cleared of the charges that were originally brought against him, and there's very little information about that um, online. You can try to find uh, some more information if you want, but there's not a whole lot out there. So now his recruitment has ramped back up, and it really seems like Missouri is going all in um, in his recruitment. We've seen uh, hit, we've seen DJ himself like tagging Mizzou recruits in the 2022 class. Uh, we've seen current players and current committed recruits tagging him and stuff, telling him to, to stay home, and stuff like that. So uh seems like some positive momentum there for Missouri.
1: Yeah, usually you don't see the players getting involved in recruiting battles unless there's really a, a pretty good chance that they're going to come to Mizzou that's not always the case but it's a pretty good indicator that seems that, that things are pretty hot uh, with that particular recruit so yeah like you said um, 6'4 235 he's a, he's a edge rusher he's very fast very athletic um, would be great to to get on the d-line um, from Missouri's backyard literally he's been around Mizzou his whole life um, yeah it, it's just it's been an up and down recruitment it's been one of the more unique ones maybe that I followed in a long time it just kind of seemed like we had no chance with him um wanted to get out of missouri and some guys want want that and um but now it kind of seems like it's flipped a little bit and i at this point i think i'd be surprised if he didn't come to missouri so it's been all over the place
0: yeah um you mentioned earlier when we were talking about this um he like released a top 15 schools that missouri didn't make the list so it was like pretty seemed pretty obvious at that time that it wasn't happening yeah but things obviously change um and Missouri seems to be right uh, in the thick of it. And yeah, with a pretty good chance to bring him on board with already a, and historic, and historic, I'm like, uh, a historic. Yeah. A historic H, H's class. are weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> already a, a historic class for Missouri uh, could get even better.
1: Yeah. I, I think that Missouri really impressed him uh, last summer when they did the night at the zoo thing, whenever all, you know, they just had a pretty exclusive group of, of recruits um, make, went over to Coach Drink's house and hung Mm -hmm. out and everything and I remember you know that was we were getting some really good vibes from a lot of top recruits at that event but DJ Wesilak was was definitely one of those guys but it seemed like Missouri made a lot of progress that night kind of made a great impression on him and uh, ever since that night I think it seems like Missouri has been a little bit more in the forefront than they were but um, they just continue to climb in for him so definitely wanted to uh keep an eye on uh I I would kind of put him on commitment watch maybe um signing day is only like a couple weeks away so I would um I would expect there's a pretty good chance that he is a part of Missouri's signing class on December that first week of December I'm not actually Mm -hmm. sure exactly what day signing day is I can figure that out though
0: Uh, While you're looking at that, I will introduce uh, another 2023 recruit that was visiting Mizzou this past weekend, Samuel Mpemba. Uh, He is a five-star recruit. He's considered an athlete because he plays wide receiver and defensive end. Um, He plays for IMG Academy. uh, I believe they're in Florida and he's the number 18 player in the 2023 class according to 24 7 sports composite the number one athlete and um he would be the top player in the state of Missouri um he's originally from St. Louis but the state rankings are all messed up because he is from St. Louis but plays in Florida so they don't know what to do with him right now (laughs) on the website uh but he is 6'4, 230, and like i said plays wide receiver and defensive end he visited campus did the photo shoots was very active on twitter seemed to really enjoy his visit so that's definitely a name to watch that would be just i mean we'd be talking about him like luther burden basically yeah. i mean he's five star like off the charts measurables definitely a guy that's going to be sought after by every single program in the country so as if is being talked about, then that's all we can ask for at this point. For sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know how, how good um, Mizzou's chances truly are there, but it's still great to see that he really enjoyed his visit and getting a lot of uh, a lot of mentions on Twitter. But uh, signing day is December 15th this year, which seems a little bit later than it normally is. So uh, still about three weeks, I guess, to go until yeah. signing day.
0: And Weselak's like one of the top players. Like uncommitted? Yeah. So prospects. if there's teams jumping in at the last second to kind of fill out their recruiting boards. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. All right. So we can move on to the football game against Florida. Huge game. Missouri beat Florida 24 to 23 in overtime. Um, where to begin? It was kind of a slow game, like a lot of field goals early. That was a little bit disappointing. The offense was very sluggish. Took a while for Tyler Beatty to get going. He eventually did. Um, kind of a defensive struggle, but uh, the teams were moving the ball sometimes, but then would just get stagnant in the red zone, have to kick field goals. Um, at halftime, it was nine to six, Mizzou. Um, they each scored a touchdown uh, in the second half, um, but then. Uh, I don't know. Where do you want to jump in here? We can talk about Missouri's offense just kind of struggling uh, for the whole first half, and then finally opening it up a little bit with Tyler Beatty in the second half.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to think about it from the players' point of view because they know. You know, Tyler Beatty made a comment <clears throat> after the game about. Um, Florida getting tired as the game went on. And they could tell that when they got to overtime, they, they felt confident about their ability to, to score because they could tell the Florida players are getting tired. You know That's something that I don't really think about that much watching a game. You know We or uh, just at home on our couch or, or in the stands. It's hard to tell sometimes when players are getting tired and how much of a difference that can make. Um, it's, it's not a video game. These aren't robots. These are, these are players. And when you're playing uh, you know a 60-minute game, uh, conditioning definitely comes into play especially um, I can think of myself trying to play sports uh, conditioning <laughs> plays comes into play very very quickly so it makes sense um, that they knew they could take advantage of Florida and that just seemed to be the case you know they was they were a little stagnant at the beginning but um, by the end of the game um, Tyler Beatty was breaking off long runs and, yeah. and in overtime he was cutting through them
0: right easily so um, yeah with like three minutes left in the third quarter uh, that was when Beatty had his first like big run like and I don't know if he was necessarily fast enough if he if he breaks that last tackle I don't know if somebody maybe catches him but uh, A couple of those runs were very close to being, you know 20 yards longer if not more mm-hmm. if he just doesn't get tripped up at the last second But uh, he ended up with 27 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown and a lot of that came in the fourth quarter and um he was they just handed it to him twice in overtime to get the touchdown. Um, yeah, Florida's defense definitely slowed down. But I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Let's just talk about Mizzou's defense keeping them in this game early. Because that was the story of the first half, I feel like, was I was very nervous because I thought the offense has to do something to take advantage of what the defense is giving them. Because mm-hmm. I. Wasn't confident that the defense would be able to hold up like they were all game. I was like, you, "We gotta be scoring touchdowns eventually here."
1: Yeah, the, the defense has made a complete 180. It's I can't even believe how different of a unit they are th- than they were at the beginning of the season. Uh, we, we, I mean, we knew that Florida's offense could present some challenges with a mobile quarterback. They've had a good offense all season, um, but Missouri's defense has just been surging, man. The last few games they have been dominant at the line of scrimmage. The Chad Bailey has provided a spark. Even blaze Aldridge has completely turned around his, his game. And, um, you know, I guess I'm just going to believe Steve Wilks when he says that nothing has changed in the scheme and they've clearly, um, they've just picked it up. They've understood it. They, they know their assignments. They know where they're supposed to be. I guess I'm just going to take his word for it, but they just continue to get better in every game. Yeah. I mean, Emory Jones
0: didn't have a bad game necessarily. I mean, not, incredibly efficient throwing the ball 20 for 32 261 yards but he also had uh 17 carries for 45 yards uh rushing so not bad but he was like the only one that could really do anything mm-hmm. i mean missouri's uh defense held the running backs to 2.8 3.2 and one yard per carry there are three running backs that touch the ball so that's pretty impressive i just yeah we we almost can't say enough about the especially the the run defense turnaround i mean obviously couldn't get worse than they were but to turn that around to actually being successful in stopping the run in back-to-back sec games is incredible
1: yeah they went from historically bad to like borderline dominant yeah i just have no clue how that happened but uh one other thing i wanted to point out was a uh, caleb evans missed this game i guess he was dealing with a minor injury and darius jackson true freshman stepped in and he was fantastic yeah. he was uh Making great plays, he was he was tackling guys for a loss. He was looked fast. Yeah. Yeah. He he did a really really good job. So that gives me some hope for the future of the defense too.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um switching back to offense, um, we talked about Tyler Beatty. Connor Basilak, what a weird game for him. Yeah. I mean, we talked about last week how inefficient he was in the South Carolina game. He was absolutely as equally as inefficient in this florida game like his numbers are not anything impressive whatsoever uh, but he had some absolutely huge plays of course the um, touchdown in overtime the two-point conversion attempt is like borderline legendary now for like moments since mizzou has joined the sec um i don't know though like And he is doing everything right. I mean, like off the field, he was asked about booze being heard in the stadium. He said, you know, I can't do anything. I can't control. I can't worry about that. If I'm basically, he was like, if I'm performing, those same fans are going to be cheering. So, and that's exactly what happened. They were definitely cheering at the end of this one.
1: Yeah, there was some speculation coming into the game um, on whether he would start. Um, I felt like I kind of always knew in my heart that it would be him if he was healthy yeah. enough. He was he was gonna play.
0: I was ready to see uh, Brady Cook for sure.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people are. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was uh, again pretty like unspectacular, but just needed just did exactly what he needed to do to to get the win. Um, had the, like you said the really clutch play in overtime. That was that's gonna be a memorable play, and uh, people will forget. The rest of the game, but and he didn't have a lot of other great plays, but you know he he did what he could to move us down the field.
0: And he didn't have the head-scratchingly awful throws that resulted in interceptions and short the dif- fields for the offense. That was the difference yeah.
1: right there, for sure. Not not throwing two terrible interceptions like he did the game before.
0: But uh I mean, it's kind of crazy how similar this game was to the South Carolina game for him, outside of the interceptions, because once again two big plays. If you take the two biggest plays away from his stat line, then he's 13 for 25 for just 74 yards. That's three yards per attempt. And like, maybe that sounds like a ridiculous thing to do. Take away the, the two biggest plays from your quarterback and then see what happens. But if you do the same thing for Emory Jones in this game, um, there's like 70 yards or so, or actually there's, uh, 100 yards that you can take away off of the two biggest plays and one of them is even more justifiable to get rid of than anything Connor Baselak has done because it was that uh you know nearly 50 yard gain at the end of the first half that actually got a little bit scary oh yeah uh but yeah that was just complete garbage yards yeah that added to jones stat line
1: yeah he got to like the five yard line or something didn't he, he yeah got pretty close
0: yeah. but even if you do that for jones he's uh has as many yards as Bayslac had in the entire game, just Mm -hmm. about like 160. And instead of three yards per attempt for Bayslac, it'd be five yards per attempt for Jones. So it's pretty, it's not an exaggeration to point out. Uh, I don't feel like it's ridiculous to point out how inefficient Bayslac has been throwing the ball. And part of that is the scheme. You know, they're not wanting to throw the ball deep. Um, They're having, he's having to rely on guys to, make plays with their legs after he gets them the ball. And, uh, we did see, um, Nico, Hey, do exactly that. He had two big gains. Uh, most of it was with his legs, um, huge touchdown late, um, and on a good throw from base, he kind of did a shoulder shrug to get the safety, uh, towards the middle of the field and then hit uh, Nico Hay for a big touchdown and like a breath of fresh air have been these occasional throws down the field to uh, Towski Dove. There was a uh, one play on the sideline where he Dove made a really good play on the ball to come up with the catch, but it was just uh, an opportunity to let him make a play one-on-one. There was a couple of those in this game. It was kind of refreshing, but yeah. we're still just not seeing those. We're not even seeing like medium range throws. No. It's just all right all, around the line of it's scrimmage. It's like
1: completely or backwards. lateral or – yeah uh yeah i mean dove did have a good game he had two two receptions for 72 yards um but the other wide receivers i mean barrett banister had three catches for 15 yards kiki chisholm had one catch for seven yards Uh, yeah i mean
0: yeah it's just throwing the ball less than 30 times um that's you're not going to have a ton of yards but still being inefficient with those throws is just kind of troublesome um Let's get a little bit more positive here because Missouri did win this game. Um, well, actually, we're going to go negative just for one more moment. Let's talk about the clock management at the very end of regulation. So um, right before this, Missouri got in Harrison Mivas range with about a minute left, and he missed a 46-yard field goal attempt. Um, that sucks. Uh, he's definitely capable of making that, but he's not going to make all of them. Um, so it was tied 16-16. Florida gets the ball back. Does nothing and is kind they Florida acts like they're okay with just taking this to overtime. Missouri calls timeout, like they want to try to do something with the ball once they get it, or at least try to get the ball back. So then Florida's like, okay, if you're gonna do that, we'll actually run a real play. And then Missouri did get the ball back, and then didn't try to do anything with it.
1: Yeah, they they punted it to Missouri, and then um, Missouri gets the ball back with a few seconds left and take a knee. Yeah, like uh, it was it was really bizarre. It like, was like the timeout usage.
0: Yeah, it was like they were conflicted. It was like the coaching staff wasn't sure what they actually wanted to do there. It was yeah. like, okay, well maybe let's do try to get the ball back, and then Flores like, okay, fine, we'll run a play, and then Missouri's like. Oh, never mind. Yeah, well, maybe I just serious. wanted to
1: see what would happen with the punt or something. I don't know, but I think that you just create a potential disaster if Boo Smith muffs the punt, yeah. Florida's in field goal range, game over. I just, and I just But
0: then once you have the ball, might as well throw one deep to the end zone. I would think so. Or do like Florida did at the end of the yeah. half and just... Uh,
1: Pump Bazelak's stats a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he could use it. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it just seemed really indecisive and... Yeah. I thought they flirted with the disaster a little a little too much there, if Florida was going to run out the game and give up, you just let them, I think unless yeah. there's gonna be that i that's fun, that's a fine way to go about it, but then if you are gonna
0: try to get the ball back, do something right once you get it they kind of didn't either, yeah, it was weird kind of in between um i that would be talked about a lot more if Missouri had not won this game, okay, I feel yeah. like, but luckily we can kind of move past that no big deal
1: well, I was just surprised that Florida was just giving up.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: I don't know why they, I mean, they just were content to run out the clock.
0: Yeah. Well.
1: They had f- like 40 seconds. That's yeah. plenty of time to get to field goal range.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if it feels the other way around. Missouri's definitely trying to, I mean, they've done it this season, trying to get in field goal range. Um, so we go to overtime. Florida runs a nifty little play. Philly special. They throw it back to the quarterback. Touchdown. Florida takes the lead. Uh, kick the extra point. I'm I'm not feeling so good about this one anymore.
1: Considering our offense couldn't do much all game, I was not feeling great about it.
0: But they did exactly what but they did the entire uh, fourth quarter, and they just handed it to Tyler Beatty twice, and he made it look so easy. Like Florida's defense did not put up a fight. No. Two carries in the end zone. Um, then you're going to kick an extra point. You're going to go for two. What were you thinking in that moment? So <laughs> I was literally about to ask you this. W- like, we were actually watching the game together at your house. And I said jokingly, like when nothing was happening on TV, I was like, they're going for it. Just, and I like faked you out a little bit. Like what, like how, you were thinking probably like, how in the world would you know that <laughs> yeah. like, there's nothing happening on the screen. And well, then do you remember what my
1: reaction was that I just was like, I don't remember. Well, I feel like I could tell you what okay, my rea- what my thought process was, yeah. um, I thought they would kick the extra point and retrospectively I think I kind of wanted them to and I'm really glad I'm not the coach yeah because that's not what happened yeah um,
0: that's such a tough call I mean it's you want to say that you'd be able to I mean you, I saw a lot of people on Twitter acting like oh that's a no-brainer you go for the win at home I don't know what being at home has to do with that decision exactly, but, um, <laughs> sure. That's fine. If you want to say that, and maybe you, that's your call 100% of the time. That's fine. I just, that's tough to do in that spot, I think, but
1: maybe to, it, to go for it and not get it. And then just to think, wow, we could have basically guaranteed that we continue another, this game. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a tough thing to live with. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, coaching staff doesn't have to think about it coach yep.
0: drink uh made the right call in this situation and they just uh they had a good play um but florida almost like blew up this good play action call yeah. uh we we watching the game were like they have to do play action here like mm-hmm. surely yeah, florida off here. surely florida will just like sell out to stop the run because yeah. that's and they did well they they were pretty ready for the uh Oh, yeah, you're right. The, like, right side of the field, the first two reads, like, um, it was... Tyler
1: Beatty went off to the right, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was kind of chaotic there in the moment. And then next thing you know, Daniel Parker Jr. is standing wide open in the end zone. The ball's, like, floating. It's, like, time is slowing down. It looks like Shirley... There's enough time for the defense to do something, but right. there was just nobody around him. Yeah, I
1: mean the defenders were right in Baszak's face. I mean he was yeah. falling down backwards, throwing the ball. I yes. mean it didn't. It looked disastrous. Yes. Uh, before you saw the open receiver.
0: Yeah, and even before Baszak saw him, I was like, "There's nothing here." Yeah. Like
1: he's about to get sacked.
0: Beatty was covered. The corner of the end zone was covered. What's the? Yeah, nothing good could happen here. And they found Daniel Parker Jr. over there in the, on the backside of the play. And Coach said he was the third read on that play. Yes, yes, that's what I was going to bring up. That's pretty crazy. So, again, you know, Bazelak doing what he's done many times for Missouri, going through his reads and finding the open man.
1: Well, it sounded like they practiced that play um, quite a bit and had just recently uh, practiced it like the day before the game. Mm -hmm. And um, Bazelak had normally been going to Beatty on that play in practice but the day before the game he decided to uh to throw it to daniel parker jr's way and they were and so it kind of like unlocked that in his mind like okay this is like a pretty doable route like right in front of my face well it absolutely needed it exactly and i don't know if he if they if he doesn't practice it that way but the day before i don't know if if mentally he processes processes quickly enough i got uh, i've got an open guy right Right. here Mm -hmm. maybe he does i don't know but he just he very quickly was able to pivot yeah and that was great
0: yeah i mean just in the nick of time like there was no extra extra half a second to spare there because there was a guy on top of him
1: but what a great way for daniel parker jr to go out his most likely his last home game unless yeah i mean he's eligible to come back next year i doubt he will but um great way for him to go out pretty special moment yeah that's just awesome and uh i think that was a north end zone too true so um breaking the curse
0: potentially (laughs) like every once in a while something good will happen there and then um it just kind of gets it doesn't fit the it doesn't doesn't fit the the narrative narrative. (laughs) (laughs) so uh also awesome game for tyler Beatty to uh be his last home game uh going over 100 yards putting himself in a good position to go after that all-time uh yardage single season uh rushing yardage mark Potentially uh, with two games left to play Uh, and clinching a bowl victory or a bowl appearance is huge like that. Like three weeks ago, it was not looking good. Oh God. Missouri's bowl chances, not looking good. And then to go and beat South Carolina and Florida of all teams, like they've got some annoying fan bases, believe it or not. And they've had some annoying coaches over the years and to defeat them in back-to-back games to clinch a bull berth in a season that felt lost a month ago. Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing.
1: huge. Uh, Dan Mullen saying the complete opposite. He was on top of the world yeah. four weeks ago, and now he's gone. Uh, that is ruthless. I gotta say, like he, I, I've you know I don't like Dan Mullen at all. Yeah. I, I I hate him as much as the next guy, but pretty crazy. I feel like he's a decent. I feel like he's a pretty good coach, and he did some good stuff at Florida and i'm a little bit surprised with his 12 million dollar buyout that's insane that's just ridiculous i'm i mean i don't know if you've lost the team i guess i don't know yeah
0: there's and like i feel like he would be around if they had like the number three recruiting class in the sec and they were like top 10
1: seems to be a big part of it yeah as well he i he doesn't seem to love recruiting maybe i don't know
0: well he hasn't been incredibly successful as of late and um in florida standards yeah exactly and this year i mean emory jones is a good is a good player Mm -hmm. and it seems like he doesn't have the confidence of coach mullen like it just seems like at every turn at least from what i've heard obviously i don't follow florida as much as a florida fan but it just seems like mullen's been very negative about jones play and i kind of I'm don't sure know if it's super warranted I'm but sure
1: he's a difficult person to work with
0: yeah, he kind of seems that way yeah um just overall great win for missouri um what a finish like just walking off after a two-point conversion is successful that's one of the better ways to win a football game in college football
1: got to carry the carry the seniors to go get their mm-hmm. their rock yeah pretty special moment
0: yeah those last little like senior day uh things uh, can be wildly different based on the outcome of the game yeah but they got to end on a high note there at home um looking at the sec east standings um so missouri moves to six and five on the season three and four in sec play uh florida now two and six on the for the season in sec play
1: nobody saw that coming
0: um so i was trying to see where mizzou could end up they will obviously they've locked it in they're going to finish higher than florida they also will definitely finish higher than south carolina no matter what happens Uh, because south carolina i believe they're done with their sec schedule Um, missouri technically could pass tennessee so missouri's right now fourth in the sec east they could pass tennessee for third but that's probably not gonna happen because tennessee would have to lose to vanderbilt and Missouri would have to beat Arkansas. So it looks like we're probably going to end up fourth-place finish in the SEC East, no matter the outcome, on Friday. Which, that's a win, honestly. I Maybe not.
1: I that's Maybe not preseason we would have said that. That's but halfway through the season, we would have said that. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, preseason, I'm like thinking, oh, that's a little bit disappointing, but it's
1: not the end of the world. I believe I actually asked you the exact question... Preseason, would you be disappointed if Mizzou won six games this year? And there's a pretty good chance that's what is actually going to happen. Yeah. And I don't remember your exact quote, but I think you said I'd be disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. Like I'm not going to fire the coach, you know, yeah. if we if that's what happens. But it's just always interesting the route you take there. We never would have guessed the route to six games and the way that we got there, and maybe right. we still get to seven too. But um, it's it's just been a, it's been an interesting year i'm happy that uh they went ahead and got
0: to six wins now so that i feel like that's got to be a little yes. bit of relief on the coaching staff Absolutely. and the players going into the arkansas game yeah
1: i don't think you want to be going into fayetteville uh or wherever they're going to play this game some don't they sometimes play this game in little rock or yeah some, is that where they're playing it i don't who know knows? who cares they're not playing the state of missouri going into arkansas uh needing a win would not be would not be a great feeling probably
0: i agree um I do want to, before we jump all the way into the Arkansas game, I want to talk about Tyler Beatty just a little bit more. He is a finalist for the Doak Walker running back award. And this is from the St. Louis post dispatch. I just wanted to talk about like the stat situation. So he's one of three finalists for the Doak Walker award, uh, given to the best running back in the country. Um, he is the leading rusher in the SEC. Um, the other two finalists are Iowa State's Brees Hall and Michigan State's Kenneth Walker III. So there's only three guys left that can take home this award. Um, the Post-Dispatch says, heading into Friday's regular season finale with Arkansas, Beatty ranks fourth nationally in rushing yards with 1,385 and just 193 rushing yards behind Devin West's single season Mizzou record of 1,578 set in 1998. Um, this is very annoying for me, but West ran for another 125 yards in that year's insight bowl insight.com bowl four years before the NCAA began adding bowl stats to season single season totals. That's that I'm very sorry for in, you. that drives me crazy. There's no records. Throw them all out. <laughs> that, sorry. That's a pet peeve of mine, obviously. If you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you know I get a little annoyed when the stats don't match up and things change like that. <laughs> so now, like, I have to, in my head, there will always be, like, an asterisk next yeah. to that record because it should have 125 yards added to it.
2: I don't understand why you, that's something I feel like you could retroactively. Why would they not?
0: I don't know. If I was in charge of like the Mizzou record book, which if anybody with the university is listening to this, the most updated record book is not available on the website for download. So we're like a year behind. Another thing that has bothered me this year. You're probably the only
1: person that knows that.
0: That's totally possible. Uh, Leave in the comments if you tried to look at any of the records this year and saw that it hasn't been updated. Uh, but if I was like in charge of Mizzou's internal record books, I would just like put the, with bowl game stats mm-hmm. as the records and then put an asterisk and say, the re- includes, yeah, includes bowl game, not recognized by the NCAA or something like that. Cause this, that, it's just anarchy. If, <laughs> I mean, how can anybody? we want order? Exactly. Um, one thing I did want to know in the Doak Walker award, uh, finalists is, uh, as noted by the post-dispatch Beatty, they say Beatty is by far the most prolific receiver of the three with 53 catches for 335 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, Walker, they don't really throw him the ball and hall has 34 catches for 263 yards
1: and two touchdowns. So I think um, that's, um, I see all purpose yards later. That's probably a quick answer you don't know at the moment. <laughs> um, I can find it. Yeah I mean I, he's it's great to see him get some recognition nationally. I know that a lot of times some of these things don't happen if your team's not great I, especially like Heisman he, he's never gonna be in the Heisman conversation uh, with a six win Missouri team but um, it's it's just great to see him um, get some recognition for a legitimately top award. it's it's a very prestigious award.
0: Yeah, um, ESPN doesn't have a way for me to easily see
1: all-purpose yards, but but. it's still it's clear he's probably the most well-rounded game of the three. Potentially, Um, he's the most valuable to his team. I'm yeah pretty confident in saying that. Yeah, Uh, do you know off the top of your head
0: who's the leading rusher in NCAA this year? It's a name you're familiar
1: with. I feel like I should know this. Um, it's not one of these three guys. No, leading rusher. Yep,
0: most rushing yards. Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State is second to this gentleman, whose name you do know. Unfortunately, is
1: he, is he from Missouri? No. Oh, I have no clue. Lou Nichols. Oh, I sh- I should know that. Central Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so he he's had a great season. Started off
0: the season strong, uh, running for a million yards against Missouri, and just kept doing it to everybody else this yeah. year. Apparently uh so we weren't like completely crazy back then when we said uh you know that central michigan actually had a solid running game Mm -hmm. it wasn't just missouri's bad defense
1: it was both yeah
0: all right so missouri travels to take on arkansas arkansas seven and four on the season three and four in the sec they have wins over texas texas A M, mississippi state and lsu and losses to georgia ole miss auburn and most recently, a seven-point loss to Alabama. So I don't know any other—I uh, don't know about any other four-win te- or four-loss teams in the country, but that's gotta be. That resume is probably making you the best four-loss team.
1: That's very possible. Arkansas has had a really good year. Uh, that the I think they had a pretty big win over A&M, like yeah. uh, point differential-wise. Um, they, I mean. The win over Texas seemed like a big win at the time. Obviously, Texas is not as impressive now, looking back. But still, Arkansas is a lot better than I think most people thought they were going to be this year, and uh, they're going to they're going to be tough.
0: Yeah, A and M game. It was only ten points, but twenty to ten, they held A and M to just ten points. Um, they didn't score any points against Georgia, lost thirty seven to zero. But then uh, that most recent game against Alabama, they had won the, their three. Uh, games before that so they were kind of hot and then um, put up a really good fight with Alabama I mean uh, K.J. Jefferson threw for 326 yards and three touchdowns against Alabama uh, their star wide receiver Traylon Burks caught eight passes for 190 179 yards and two touchdowns uh, there was some question about whether he would play this week because he got a little bit banged up in the Alabama game but he will play um and uh, they just seem to do okay against Alabama's defense. I think, obviously, Alabama's still a very good team, but their defense is a little bit of a step down from what we're used to seeing from them. I did find it fascinating, though. Alabama's offense just absolutely torched Arkansas through the air, especially. Uh, Bryce Young threw for 559 yards and five touchdowns.
1: Wow. Jameson, no, wait, yes, Jameson Williams. Yeah. Yeah, He's been probably the best wide receiver in the SEC this year. Yeah. Um, uh, He just catches touchdowns. That's crazy. That's
0: all he does. Uh, That's,
1: I guess, why you transfer to Alabama whenever they uh, have some wide receiver openings.
0: Yeah, I'm going to just pull up. So his stats in this game, eight receptions for 190 yards and three touchdowns. Wow. Uh, On the season, he has he's insanely fast for anybody that doesn't know uh he's got 59 receptions for 1200 yards and 13 touchdowns wow
1: what a season for him yeah first season for playing for alabama too
0: Mm -hmm. Um, after having uh six and nine receptions in each in his first two seasons at uh ohio state
1: nice um. Yeah. I mean, KJ Jefferson. We got a little glimpse of him last year. He had a good game against Missouri. I think he was kind of forced to start in that game, right? Right. Uh, a year ago, and played really well. That was a explosion of offense in that game for both teams. But, yeah. uh, he's he's been really good this year. He's he's kind of he's pretty versatile. He's dangerous to the air. He can he can run on the ground. He's kind of a tank too. so He's tough to bring down. Um. And uh, Traylon Burks. I mean, he's not flashy, but he's big and he's yeah. going to overpower you. He can go, go up go. and get it above and get it above your head. And honestly, uh, Traylon Smith is pretty dangerous to at running back. I mean, if if the passing game's not working, they'll figure it out on the ground. So in a like you said good O-line, um Arkansas pretty dangerous on offense. Um, they they're maybe a little more vulnerable on defense right now, but uh, I don't know. They they've got some weapons.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Missouri's defense, honestly. Um we've seen the defense be much improved but still get kind of beat up against Georgia just to be expected but then be pretty solid against South Carolina and, and now Florida but
1: it almost seems like they're a little more vulnerable to the air now than yeah than on the ground and Arkansas absolutely has the ability to to throw the ball well
0: I think that Arkansas is better than their seven and four record indicates I mean Arkansas and Missouri could have the same record if uh, Missouri were to win this game. And I don't think they are... I think Arkansas is a better team than Missouri. I think... I probably agree. They're four losses. you'd be It would be tough to find four better losses yeah. in the country, I think.
1: Yeah, just... I mean, just Missouri has a has a question mark at the most important position on the field right now. Connor Bazelak has not been great. And he limits them a little bit. Um, doesn't move around on the on the ground. We've talked about it a lot. Um, has been pretty pretty suspect um, the last few games. Just it seems like he's a little bit afraid to throw the ball <laughs> down the field very much. I don't like. We've debated whether or not that's him or play calling, but whatever it is, uh, Missouri's offense is. I'm, I'm not sure they're going to be good enough to to outpace Arkansas's offense in this game
0: i was trying to find like a comparable conference game um to maybe look at a loss for arkansas and i found the auburn game um auburn won 38 to 23 and in that game kj jefferson was fine Uh, arkansas's rushing attack was was fine um what really made the difference in that one is uh arkansas did lose a fumble and uh auburn they have an interception, so that, that, was, that was pretty even there. Um, it looks like uh, Bo Nix wasn't really asked to do a whole lot, but still had some success, 11 yards uh, per attempt. So I think just like in the uh, – I mean, Alabama just absolutely destroyed Arkansas' defense through the air. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've seen Connor Bazelak take advantage of bad – and i'm not saying that arkansas is necessarily bad but if they if you're gonna beat them you're gonna have to start throwing the ball around a little bit and making plays down the field and we've seen connor do that we've seen this offense execute like that i mean think about going back to the lsu game that was a shootout or just the arkansas game last year yeah um so we're gonna have to get back into something like that yeah i think to make this competitive
1: the only way Tyler Beatty gets better than he already is is if Missouri presents a dangerous passing game where that the defense has to respect. If the defense is putting eight men in the box every play, not you know nobody is gonna, is going to be able to run the ball. Uh, against Yeah, you them. have to so, hope
0: that the defense gets tired and wears out like yeah. Florida did.
1: You know what happened in the Florida game? Whenever Missouri completed some passes down the field, is we immediately Tyler gave it gave Tyler Beatty some running room, and he broke some nice runs. So. You have to make Arkansas respect the pass. If you're just going to hand it off to Beatty every time, we're not going to do. We're not going to score very many points in this game.
0: Yeah, last year uh, Missouri scored 50 points and Connor Beasley threw the ball 49 times for 380 yards.
1: Yeah, I, I want to know what's changed. I'm, 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 a, I'm not really sure what, how this offense has has taken this far of a step back comparatively to what they were doing last year.
0: The rushing attack was excellent for Missouri last year. Larry Roundtree, 185 yards. Tyler Beatty added 79 on just six carries. Yeah.
1: Tyler Beatty was, like, the key to winning this game versus Arkansas last year. He was amazing down the stretch.
0: Oh, geez. This is kind of tough to look at. Kiki Chisholm, six receptions, 113 yards. Where's that been?
1: If you haven't watched the highlights of that game in a while, just you or the listeners, you should go back and watch the highlights of that game. It was... Man, that was one of the more fun games we've had in a really long time. Just seeing all the guys with the, their big plays. And Missouri really had to come from behind at the end of the game. Like They, they scored
0: 27 points in the fourth quarter. Wow.
1: They made some very clutch plays um, to be able to win that game.
0: Yeah. If this one on Friday uh, isn't going so well, just turn on last year's game.
1: That's probably Damon Hazelton's best game last year, too. Yeah. I remember him coming up in the clutch.
0: Five catches, uh, 98 yards. Man. Imagine having, like, two receivers both right around 100 yards in a game.
1: Mm. Haven't seen that in a while. No. All no. right.
2: Uh, yes. Tyler Beatty me. does lead in
1: all-purpose yards. Oof. Thank you very much, Producer Cameron.
2: Love to see that. So By over 100. Wow. I
0: don't know the history of the uh, Doak Walker Award. I don't know how much, uh, like, a team's how much success in, like the, in the win-loss column uh, affects that award, but... And, obviously, the guy for Michigan State is incredible, and they rely on him heavily. But uh,
1: I would expect him to win it. Me too. But,
0: but maybe uh, maybe the he is the one of the three that has, like, nothing going on in the passing game mm-hmm. or receiving game. So, uh, Beatty definitely has a leg up there uh, against him in particular. Um, it seems like we should be able to be more positive about this team after I know. wins against South Carolina and Florida. But when there's just – when the offense – when you're having to rely on field goals so much when you can't get into the end zone consistently, it's just scary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it, it was a little bit of a fading Florida team. It's not typically the team that we would see uh, from Gainesville every year. Uh, I definitely don't want to take any credit away from what Missouri did in that game. It was a great win, uh, a gritty win. um, But you know, Florida is not quite the team they were even six weeks ago. So um, it's tough to feel good about a win. Even, you know, when the offense is struggling like it is so i don't have a whole lot of confidence that missouri is again going to win this game i think they might beat arkansas 25% of the time um it's not it's definitely something they're capable of um but i i see arkansas winning this game i'm going to say it's uh 34-24 i
0: i actually started to write that score down and then i changed it to 31-27 i hope uh i hope harrison Meavis gets a chance to kick a game winner
1: again redeem himself a little bit man i was uh when he missed that kick and florida was getting the ball with you know A know, a minute or so left things were not feeling great no and i mean thank goodness
0: missouri's defense had been playing well because if it had been like a shootout where you know whoever has the ball last wins and uh Florida gets it with a minute left I would have been way more nervous but I kind of had a little bit of confidence in the defense to just slow them down enough to take it to overtime yeah but once Florida scored in overtime I was like geez I don't yeah. know I don't know if I can count on them to go get a touchdown right now
1: yeah well it makes those makes a victory sweeter whenever you have doubts along the way whenever you feel like your back is against the wall that's when those the victories feel the best I hope that happens against Arkansas. We're both predicting losses, but uh
0: should be a competitive game um if missouri missouri wins this game if they can win the turnover battle plus Tyler Beatty just run all over the 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 hogs defense <laughs> oh, yeah. is there a more like a three games back to back to back against like Progressively worse fan bases, progressively more annoying and unbearable fan bases. I South Carolina, Florida, and then Arkansas. Back I don't know.
1: Well, Tennessee's in there somewhere, but honestly, I I cannot stand Arkansas fans. Like I just, I'll just say it. I'm sorry. We may have some Arkansas fans listening to this. Uh, individually, I'm sure you're fine, just wonderful people. But when it comes to some of these like Twitter trolls, like man, is, this really seems to be the worst with Arkansas and Beating them however many years it's been in a row now. I've lost count because it's been so many years. Uh, it's not it's, a rivalry, It's though, pretty nice. According not to a rivalry. Arkansas, not, yeah, a rivalry. not a rivalry. Yeah, exactly. It really, Yeah, it really isn't because we win every game. Yeah. Except for maybe this weekend. <laughs> uh,
0: this, this week is always kind of sad to me, honestly, that we're playing Arkansas. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I don't care as much about this rivalry um, because of this but I always kind of see this time in my mind as being when we should be playing Kansas. And we're we're about to pick the rest of the SEC games and a bunch of, you know, like in-state rivals going up against each other from different conferences. It would just be really cool if Missouri was in on that week with the rest of the conference getting to play Kansas. I think that'd be a lot more fun. Um, I still like playing Arkansas, but if we could replace that year in year out rivalry with playing kansas and make arkansas just a normal part of the west rotation i would be okay with that 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 uh rivalry isn't strong enough for me personally to uh not want to replace it with kansas um don't go anywhere we're going to pick sec games then we are going to talk about basketball so stick around uh we're going to try to figure out what's going on with this basketball team and whether we can expect them to win any games this year um producer camera take it away how do we do last week where do we stand there's not many not many weeks left we're running out of time
2: uh last week was pretty chalky everyone picked all the same teams every game except one uh when i picked nebraska unfortunately um but anyway you both scored six points i scored five and tristan the guest picker scored six that brings our season total to I am in the last with 55, Kyle has 56, Cameron has 59, and the guest pickers have 66 points. Man. But big week this week. Okay. Nine games to pick this Let's week. Go. So us Make some moves. Now we <laughs> are <or> never <laughs> <I've> been <laughs> saying this every week. <laughs> but, but now more than any other week. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. All right. See what we can do. Game number one is number nine, Ole Miss at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a one-and-a-half-point favorite.
1: Number nine, Ole Miss, is an underdog to unranked Mississippi State. Did I hear that right? Yeah,
0: that's what it says. It's at, at Mississippi State. Uh, I'll take Ole Miss. Um, Egg Bowl. Yeah. Give me the home team. Which is? Mississippi State.
1: Congratulations. Who'd you take? Uh, uh, Ole Miss for me, please.
0: I might change my mind depending on who, what the guest picker picks. Who's, who's our guest picker this our week? Our guest
2: picker this week is Parker.
0: All right. Um, well, who do you pick? Ole Miss. Welcome in, Parker. I'll pick Mississippi State.
2: I'll take Mississippi State. All right. Our next game is number one, Georgia at georgia tech georgia is a 35 point favorite that'd be close i'll take georgia
1: <laughs> close to georgia scoring 100 points i'll take oh georgia.
0: does georgia tech still run the triple option i think so Ooh. will they
1: forever what happens when georgia tech has to hire a new coach and the coaches like never run the triple option before didn't they just always hire people that have experience with the triple option
0: great question i'd have to like it's look like a dying i'd have to look at all their uh Coaching changes. Like, have they just had the same coach for as long as
2: I've been alive? I have no clue. Just always well, run the triple thing with option. Same like, uh, like Navy, Navy. Yeah,
1: runs the triple option. Yeah.
2: Man. Anyway, everybody on Georgia. Okay. Florida State at Florida. Florida is a three-point favorite. Oh man! Give me Florida mm. State. Mm. Florida State's not good. They're bad. They're. I Probably think Florida
1: is gonna turn it around. They're gonna get that that new coach bump, the interim coach bump, and I think they'll beat Florida State. They'll have they'll have a little something to play for this week.
0: I'm trying to see if there's any precedent for Florida State beating anybody even a little bit good this year. They beat North Carolina, they beat Miami, they beat Boston College. Parker picked Florida. Oh man,
2: give me Florida State. Let's go. All righty. Number three, Alabama at Auburn. Alabama is a 19.5 point favorite.
0: I'll take Alabama.
2: But that might be a
1: close ish game. I disagree. Give me Bama. Not close. Wow. <laughs> oh, I thought he was going to
2: pick Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody picks Alabama. Vanderbilt at Tennessee. Tennessee is a 31 point favorite. Yeah. I'll take Tennessee. <laughs> i will as well all right me too and so does parker number 15 texas a&m at lsu texas a&m is a six and a half point favorite
1: maybe i should have gone for some of those upsets earlier uh, i'm picking all favorites here uh who where's it at
2: lsu
0: give me a&m yeah me I, g-
1: I gotta do it uh you picking a&m who'd parker who'd pick d- LSU oh no okay give me A&M if you <laughs> pick LSU <laughs> Yep.
2: all right number 23 Clemson at South Carolina Clemson is a 11 and a half point favorite
0: Clemson not as good as usual no not by long shot
1: oh man I really want to pick South Carolina here I'm gonna Feel free. Okay. I'll pick Clemson.
2: (laughs) Oh man. I just got to make sure I don't get
1: last.
0: That's all I'm thinking about. (laughs) Wow. Oh geez. (laughs) I'll take Clemson. I'm going to be mad if I, if South Carolina wins that and I didn't pick them.
2: That's how that works.
1: They pulled off upset last week.
2: That's true. Kentucky at Louisville. Louisville is a three point favorite. Oh, that's easy. Kentucky. 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 Everybody pick Kentucky. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna take Louisville. Okay, no? okay, sure, <laughs> sure. Go right ahead. I feel like Cam, you're gonna be in like second.
1: Producer Cam, you're gonna be in like second or like dead. I'm gonna be dead like lost. 25 points. Yeah, out you're after gonna be this way movie. out of it potentially.
2: <laughs> Risk it all. All right, I was just making sure.
0: Louisville, another team that beat Boston College this this year.
2: Interesting. Hmm. All right. Number 16, Iowa at Nebraska. Iowa is a. One and a half point favorite, give it Nebraska. <laughs> Who'd Parker pick? Iowa. Give me Nebraska. They're gonna win. Gonna You're be. kidding me. They're gonna win a game. It's at Nebraska. At Nebraska against a ranked team. It'll be close at least.
1: Um. Also, by the way, Missouri would have would stomp Boston College if they played right now. Actually, Boston College got their quarterback back, back though. And quarterback back. Back back. And Phil Jerkovich or whatever his name was. Yep. I don't know. Uh,
0: Nebraska. In the middle of a five-game losing streak.
1: Yes, they will redeem themselves this week. Three of
0: those to rank teams. All three of those games fairly close, including uh, uh, Ohio State. Man. Yeah, they—they.
1: They tr- I mean, they I'm not had even legit joking.
2: had opportunities in almost, I think maybe all but one ranked. They lose team. every three. game. Parker close. picked Iowa. Yes. sure did. Okay, Nebraska, do it for us. Let's do it for go. Us. Do it
1: for the. Do it for the. Podcast,
2: do it for the hosts, please. Somebody, come on. Next year, no more guest pickers. <laughs> well, <laughs> if 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 we make a
0: miraculous comeback here, then surely that wouldn't happen twice, like two years in a row. We'll okay.
2: see. JD, no more guests. Yeah, he's yeah, not he allowed to band. pick anymore. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's switch gears. Talk about basketball. So uh, last week, Missouri got wins over Northern Illinois and SMU but then lost to Florida State Kyle you predicted that Missouri would beat SMU when we talked about the schedule in the preseason is
1: this how you expected it to happen uh, I think I, I changed my mind before like when we predicted the game last week yes. though I think I changed my mind so I don't know that I can take credit for that <laughs> uh, but I was um, I was a little bit surprised they pulled this out um, especially in the game um yeah. like halfway through the game i was like uh yeah they're, they're no chance but they yeah. mounted a the comeback
0: yeah so uh against northern illinois uh, missouri won that game 54 to 37 um northern illinois is not good their kim palm rating has gotten worse since the, they played missouri and um good job limiting them to under 40 points but at the same time you got to score more than 54 points mm-hmm. against a bad team like that. Yeah. And they, Missouri's offense struggled. Missouri's offense struggled in the SMU game. They, they got out to kind of a quick start, but then um, SMU went on a 18-0 run. Really? Yeah. I end, didn't know to, it was that bad. In the first half.
1: 18-0?
0: Yes. Um, so it was not looking good. I was like full on, well. It's the, over yeah, mode. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, Missouri like clawed their way back in they didn't go on any big run really it was basically just like the entire second half they just kept chipping away at the lead yeah and the, um,
1: it felt like the last five or so minutes they were really making they were really efficient offensively yeah. but so was SMU they were kind of just like trading buckets there for a while
0: right yeah absolutely uh the last 10 minutes of the game uh, Missouri outscored SMU 25 to 16 so like I said never really a big run but just Um, steadily outscoring them, um, getting enough stops, basically, to make it happen. And then uh, in overtime, uh, Mizzou ended up winning by five. So they kind of were able to control overtime for the most part, got a lead, were able to keep getting buckets, and and pulled it out. It was kind of – it wasn't like a spectacular win exactly, but just – they just kind of showed that they – we're not going to give up in this game. They were gonna. They went down, but they fought back and, and made it a game and ended up pulling it out in overtime.
1: Yeah, it was good to see just shots go in, yeah. which Missouri has not really seen that consistently this year at all. And uh, they kind of weathered the storm with. I mean, uh, SMU had two really good players. The the shorter guard was crazy. Yeah. I can't remember Davis. his name. Davis. Yeah, yeah he was he had a great mid range game. He was making threes like crazy at the end. Yeah. he was. He was twenty nine points. Dynamic player for sure
0: yeah kobe brown with a with a really solid game uh 24 points five of nine from two three of six from three um made five of his six free throw attempts had seven rebounds two assists a block and a steal
1: yeah he he was definitely the the x factor there to missouri's offense kind of getting back to uh to relevance there for at least a few minutes he was kind of making everything go he's he's so versatile he's he can shoot and, and drive and um kind of brings something that nobody else on on the roster brings and is able to kind of bang around down low too so yeah. he's a he's a special player
0: and uh was this the game where he was like I, he finished the game with four fouls but was he in foul trouble for a little bit had to kind of
1: um i can't manage
0: remember. uh his minutes a little bit but um ronnie de gray uh was also a significant contributor he had 18 points uh two for three from three perfect from the free throw line six for six and also had six rebounds. Um, somebody like that is, we we're, every night in order for Missouri to have a chance, we're going to need two guys to kind of step up and make shots. I don't think Kobe can do it by himself. I don't think any one of the transfers can do it by themselves. Um, Pickett could be that guy some of the time. Uh, but this one, he only scored two points in 24 minutes um and had zero rebounds so he was kind of uh invisible I'm talking in about one. Pickett, yeah
1: yeah i kind of feel like he had a rough tournament um kind of seems like he wasn't making much much of an impact he didn't play very much in the second half of this game mm-hmm. he sat on the bench for quite a while uh dewan gordon uh DeSh- gordon i yeah. completely uh, messed up his name uh he I thought this was his best game by far as a Missouri Tiger. He, he played really well, um, was making shots, was defending well. Um, definitely looked like he was playing as advertised.
0: Yeah, they put him on the point guard Davis down the stretch and just one-on-one, like, you got to stop this guy from destroying us. And he was able <laughs> to do it. Enough, I guess, to uh, pull out the win. But uh, then Missouri had to play Florida State in the championship of this tournament. And that went about as well as you could have predicted. Uh, Florida State is pretty good. They are very tall and long, a lot of matchup problems for any team, um, especially one offensively uh, that struggles as much as Missouri. And they play a lot of guys. And Missouri didn't play a lot of guys in the SMU victory, even though it was an overtime game. Uh, you know, the core six players um, plus Wilmore were the guys getting minutes. And uh, that just wasn't going to work against Florida State. Too many bodies, too uh, well-conditioned, and just too athletic all around. They,
1: they were suffocating on defense. I mean, Missouri, they would try to drive, and it's, they'd be, like, fumbling the ball everywhere. They were just getting hounded like crazy um, by the Florida State guys. And this, this game was just never close, even from the, from the get-go.
0: Florida State uh, was 23 for 30. On two-point field goal attempts, wow, seventy-seven percent shooting from two.
1: Yeah, I felt like they were very efficient, making everything. Were not um, hindered whatsoever by Missouri's defense. It was it was dominant. Yeah, um,
0: they didn't it didn't destroy us on the boards. Um, Missouri had some offensive rebounds, but uh, yeah, I mean, offensively, they just. They're just really good. (laughs) Florida State's really good defense. And uh, so offensively, Missouri just wasn't going to be able to match
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really what it was, was um, especially in the first half, Missouri was just turning the ball over so much that Florida State was getting whatever they wanted in in transition. Um, It just almost felt like Missouri's defensive efforts in the half court didn't matter because um, they they were playing in transition so much. And Florida State was just taking the ball from them.
0: Yeah, Missouri uh, had 17 turnovers on the game. Uh, 10 steals for Florida State. So obviously that's going to lead to some transition buckets. Um, so in this like kind of three-game stretch now, Northern Illinois, SMU, Florida State, three kind of very different opponents um, as far as like quality. You go from one of the worst teams in the country, Northern Illinois, um, kind of a peer to Missouri this year in SMU, and then a substantially better team in Florida State, what are your kind of feelings f- overall from that three-game stretch?
1: Well, I kind of feel like this team is exactly what we thought they were. They're going to be pretty good defensively when they want to. Um, they're going to struggle offensively for most of the game, but have the ability to go on runs if they have the right matchups. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Northern Illinois game was, was pretty disappointing. I would have liked to see them um, be more successful offensively in that game. And then I feel like I could almost say the opposite against SMU. I I expected them to to lay down and die a little bit in that game, and and they didn't at all. They did the opposite. They did what I almost felt like was the impossible. Um, I I think we're gonna see a little bit of that throughout the year. I think we're. I mean, Missouri's not gonna be favored and favored in very many games they play this year, but um, they're gonna be scrappy. Uh, You know, I think uh, against UMKC, we we kind of blasted them for not playing very hard in that game, but. They they definitely recovered. They played hard in these games, and um, I think against a lower level opponent um, that's isn't Florida State, I think they have the ability to shut teams down like that if they really really want to. And so I, I think we'll probably see some low scoring games. I think Missouri will upset a few teams, but for the most part, I think this could be uh, this could be in kind of a rough year like we've like we've expected.
0: Yeah, um, not to try to sugarcoat things too much, UMKC is a better team than their preseason uh, rating would have suggested so um instead of that being like the second worst loss in mizzou history it might be like the fifth worst or fourth worst <laughs> so it may may not quite may not be as bad as it looked uh, by the end of the season um one thing i wanted to talk about was jordan wilmore um still getting minutes uh UMKC is now the fewest minutes that he's had in a game. Uh, He had 16 minutes against Northern Illinois, 15 against SMU, just 10 against Florida State. Uh, Northern Illinois, he actually was scoring the ball, um, 5 of 7 shooting for 11 points um, and 6 rebounds. But then against SMU, 0 for 6 from the field, 0 points in 15 minutes played. I think it's pretty obvious that the Northern Illinois game is the outlier. They... It was just such a ridiculous size advantage for him down low. Um, he's going to have that size advantage a lot, but he just doesn't have the footwork or the touch or on the rim. It was like frustrating seeing him get the ball in a position to score sometimes and just kind of chucking the ball at the basket just to see what would happen. Um, if you can get it to him where he can like pivot into a dunk, then do that all the time. But he's got a, I don't know. It seems like the coaching staff wants to feed him the ball like they did with Tillman to some extent. I mean, like, why? I don't think we should be running plays to try to get Wilmore the ball in the post with him looking to score. If the defense falls asleep, like Northern Northern Illinois did a few times, and you can get him the ball where he can just turn and dunk it, then do that. But I think we're wasting possessions when we try to run the offense through Wilmore in the post. Unless the whole plan is to kick it back out as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, he a lot of his points against Northern Illinois seemed like they just came off of like taking advantage of defensive breakdowns and guys not like losing him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I agree. He's he's doesn't look like a consistent scorer. Um, yeah, you literally use the word like chucked. Yeah. The ball like it, it kind of is what it looked like. If he's if he's guarded, um, it's gonna be tough for him to consistently score. Um, Even
0: undersized players yeah playing decent. make him games. uncomfortable
1: yeah yeah
0: um i think it was in the smu game uh yaya yaya kata had uh three points in that one one for one he yeah. just shot a three in like a pick and pop situation and i was almost like did a double take the tv announcers sure, were freaking out yeah i had to do a double take and make sure that it was actually him shooting um i just didn't know that he would have the green light on a pick and pop but apparently he does he only played six minutes in that game and was able to knock down a three.
1: Yeah. The the post has just been a little bit of a black hole and we, we completely expected that coming into the year. So that's why Kobe Brown has kind of had to, had to uh, play some minutes there, which we knew he was going to, he was going to have to do that.
0: Yeah. He's definitely showed his versatility so far. Um, I just feel like come conference play and some of these last few, uh, I mean, we play Eastern Illinois, which is like 350th Kim Palm team. Um, in like two weeks play eastern illinois at home from then until like march well iowa state is a triple digit uh kim pom team 111 but then after that it's literally the last game of the season georgia is 172 so georgia will be flirting with like going winless in conference play so there's an opportunity there we do get them at home I grind. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, we're gonna need shots to start falling, and I feel like Boogie Coleman looked so good in that very first game of the season, mm-hmm. and he maybe he was never intended to be a, a fixture in the starting lineup, but he hasn't been there the last few games, and he's actually looked a little bit better on defense than he did early on, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I we the the staff has to figure out what they want him to do on offense. Yeah. Cuz when he's initiating the offense, he's not available for spot-up jumpers and it just doesn't seem like that's they're they're trying to get him the ball in a position yeah. to score very often.
1: Well, if you want to try and paint a rosy picture, uh you know, I think defensively this team can be pretty good. Um <clears throat> offensively, they're not there yet, but maybe playing together over the course of the season they improve. They're never going to be good offensively, I don't think, but you know, playing together uh, for the course of the season, I think it's possible they can make some strides, and um, I think they'll improve potentially. But yeah, that, I mean, they just they need to be able to shoot consistently, and nobody yeah. can do is doing that right now.
0: So we've got upcoming matchups against Wichita State at home um, on Friday, and then Paul Quinn, the man himself, on Monday. So um, Wichita State's sixty fourth in Ken They're four and one so far this season. They've had some really, uh, they, they've kind of played to their competition so far this year. They've had a little bit closer games against Jacksonville State and South Alabama than I think Wichita State would like to have. But then they took number 18 Arizona to overtime on a neutral court and then beat uh, UNLV by one point most recently on Sunday. So I think this is a winnable game for Missouri. It's a home game. Uh, Wichita State's strength is defense, so we might be in for a struggle of a game, a little bit of a defensive slog, perhaps. Um, And Wichita State definitely, I mean, it's kind of a a coin flip. If this was a neutral site or away, I think Wichita State maybe wins this one fairly easily. Mm -hmm. But home game for Missouri I still think probably Wichita State pulls it out, but I think it'll be pretty close.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a pretty uh, comparable game to SMU. I feel like pretty similar opponents. Um, I think Missouri's going to win this game, and uh, I they may not. I have no idea, but I, I think I think they'll uh, they'll win the game at home, and I think they know what kind of grind they have in store for them this year, but. Um, and so maybe they'll they'll understand the importance of getting some non-conference wins when they can.
0: Yeah, Wichita State's offense, not awesome, um, not great shooting team. Uh, they do get a lot of offensive rebounds, though. So if we can limit that, then we might be in business. And then uh, Paul Quinn, uh, poor guy, has to play an entire uh, basketball team by himself. And Kyle's ready for this game to be over so that I'll stop making jokes like that.
1: <laughs> He's really good, though, so better watch out just kidding uh they're terrible they're naia this ought to be like a 40 point win and i don't know what good it does no even if you do win by 40 yeah because you don't really figure anything out about your team
0: exactly i agree with all of that uh they'll be running up and down in transition the whole game probably scoring at will and getting probably getting to the free throw line
1: yeah practice some free throws
0: yeah yeah i mean playing a bad team doesn't make you automatically able to shoot threes better but, uh,
1: might be open a yeah, little more, yeah that's true, <laughs> yeah i don't I don't really understand this matchup, but it should be a win.
0: <laughs> maybe there's some kind of uh explanation for some kind of scheduling issue that caused that to happen, but oh we'll take the victory, um Kim Pom doesn't give you credit for it. They say if you're not playing a d one opponent, we don't care, they don't even log the stats for it. that's reasonable, um. Okay, so we're thinking potentially two wins for the basketball team. That would be nice. Get some momentum going. There's definitely tougher uh, games ahead on the schedule. But uh, I think that's it. Happy Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, enjoy time with family or alone time away from work or whatever you're doing. Anything else for the folks? Yeah, we certainly
1: appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Um.
0: Special thank you. To our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above, Britt Treese, Ryan Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy J.D., Luis Hernandez, and Tim Keems.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, thank you, gents. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter, at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com.
2: Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, gents. You can find our T-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week after some months. I hope so.